Hi there, and welcome to the podcast, Life as a, a show intently focused on exploring and unearthing the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Considering the day and age we live in, we are spoiled in many regards. Think no further than the wonderful technical products and services we use every day. They make our lives easier, safer, and downright more comfortable. Now, I know very few of us stop and take a moment to reflect or feel grateful for all of this technological innovation, but maybe we should. Imagine purchasing the latest smartphone, dropping it, and having the screen crack instantaneously. Not an endearing thought, huh? Or what about the thought of faulty glass vials holding billions of COVID vaccines splitting and leaking? Again, that imagery is far from pleasant. Well, the point I'm trying to drive home here is that such innovation matters. And some of the most talented and driven people around the world devote their professional lives to making our world a better place through the ideation and formal creation of world-altering products. On our show today, we have a guest who leads the charge for all of that and more. Dr. Sinue Gomez is a Business Technology Director of Corning Pharmaceutical Technologies, CPT. And this company is one of the world's leading innovators relating to material science with a 167-year track record of life-changing inventions. And Dr. Gomez leads the development of new products and process technology for Corning. She is responsible for developing and helping execute CPT's technology strategy, including the roadmap for low-cost manufacturing. Since joining Corning in 2006 as a research scientist in the Glass Research Group, Dr. Gomez has had a hand in inventing some of the world's most ubiquitous products, such as Gorilla Glass, a touch-friendly and extremely durable glass surface, of which many smartphones are presently constructed with and subsequent generations of ion exchangeable glasses and glass ceramics for the Gorilla Glass business and adjacencies. And Dr. Gomez has consistently been delivering value and innovation to markets and to her employer since her tenure with Corning began. Further evidence of this fact is that she was responsible for delivering the product design of CPT's newest product, Velocity, glass vials, and pharmaceutical glass tubing, which has enabled the delivery of more than 3 billion doses of COVID-19 vaccines. Dr. Gomez holds a PhD in material science from the University of Connecticut and a bachelor's degree in materials engineering from University Simon Bolivar in Caracas, Venezuela. She has over 50 granted patents and holds several trade secrets. And finally, Dr. Gomez is a member of several diversity groups at Corning Incorporated, such as EDGE, Ethnically Diverse Group of Employees, and GLASS, Global Latino Advancement and Success Society. She has been awarded many times over for her technical prowess and innovation. Dr. Gomez was even bestowed with the prestigious title of a technical rising star in the Women of Color Technology Awards, which recognizes the contributions of women with a diverse ethnic background to the fields of STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. And considering all this, I'd like to say what an honor it is to welcome you to the program, Dr. Gomez. 
thank you. Thank you, Christopher, for having me. Yeah, really excited to uh, to have a chat with you today. And really quickly, before we uh, get going, would you like to, to keep with formalities or would you prefer Sinue? Sinue. Sinue? Yeah. Okay, yeah. excellent. No doctor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, based off all your accomplishments, hey, I think it's well-deserved, but all right, we'll go with Sinue. The first segment, actually, Sinue, is something called Coloring Wikipedia, and it's a segment where I just basically read off a definition uh, of the guest profession as defined by Wikipedia. I like to do it for a few reasons. One, it brings everybody up to speed on what the job entails, and then two, it offers a nice kind of jumping off point for us, I think, to kind of explore the profession. Sometimes there's things that are underrepresented, sometimes there's things that are flat out missing, so perhaps we could begin there. Does that sound all right? Yeah, yeah, sounds good. All right, great. Well, I have you down here for business technology director. A bit of bad news. This was not actually from Wikipedia this time. They didn't have an entry for this. So I did improvise a little bit here and I did find a, well, a different definition uh, online. So we'll, we'll go with this and see how it works. So here goes. Business technology director. Responsible for providing innovative vision, strategy, and leadership in all areas of technology use, planning, development, and support. This individual will collaborate directly with the executive management team and decision makers across all departments to identify, recommend, develop, implement, and support cost-effective technology solutions for all aspects of the organization. The director needs to be both visionary and pragmatic, focusing on the return on investment of technology systems and their business impact. All right, there it is. It's a bit broad. I mean, there's a lot of different ideas kind of like crammed into there. But considering your role with CPT, I mean, how well does that definition fit? It is actually a very good definition. In my, my organization is actually pretty broad and how much uh, we reach across the organization because we basically cover all product and process development. And I work exactly with what we call a business team that we're all under our general manager. And that goes from commercial quality, supply chain, manufacturing, engineering, and then development, which is basically me, technology. And we all are peers in, in the same organization. So I'm responsible for the technology strategy, delivering it as well for the division. And uh, we have to work also together with our research organization to kind of like pull ideas, develop them, and make it into product or processes in some cases. The one aspect that is not mentioned there, and sometimes I think we ignore it, is the functional management aspect, which is actually also a big part of the job that I do every day. Right. I have a team of staff who has also their own staff. And sometimes I would say that can be the hardest part of the job. You know, you're there to support them, encourage them, empower them, and sometimes even provide that psychological <laughs> table for them to stand on. So, but other than that, it's actually a pretty complete definition of what the job entitles. Mm. Oh, excellent. Uh, that's mm -hmm. uh, a bit of a rarity, to be honest. Usually these definitions are missing a few different things. In terms of this position, is there something that's particularly critical 
to the overall job that you do? Like one of those elements, you just mentioned, of course, like managing employees to a certain extent. Is there anything else that you would feel would be of critical importance within the, the context of, say, CPT and uh, what that organization does? Something that's critical and important is, is actually, I think it's a lot with uh, leadership and leading people and actually let them be. And by that, I mean, you know, you have a group of creative individuals and what's important is to make sure they understand what they're doing, why they're doing it, what the purpose is and have clear objectives. And a big part of my job is making sure objectives are clear, that the purpose of what we're doing things is clear and then let them go and, and, and do their jobs. That sometimes letting go part and not having control can be hard. And I would say that was one of the things that I had to work on when I transitioned from being an individual contributor to being a manager and then, then a director was to say, okay, now it's someone else's time. I'm here you know, to help empower push them through, but let them, you know, do their job. My job now is different. Yeah. Yeah. I'd imagine so. That would probably be one of the most challenging sort of transitions for somebody like yourself and all that you've accomplished personally to go up to that level and like, okay, well, here's the environment. This is the environment that now I need to, to keep in place. So this innovation continues to flourish, but not being, you know, hands-on with all of it must be a a bit of a, a challenge at times, but Okay. But it sounds as though, I mean, you're, you're figuring that out and uh, continuing to succeed based on, again, some of the things I was just reading off the top when I was introducing you. So hats off to you for all of that. Really quickly, one more question in this segment. What would a typical day entail for you? Does such a thing even exist, really? It's not really a typical. There's no typical day. But I my days are a mix of meetings one-on-ones with people. And some of those meetings are to get alignment, touch base of what's going on, what's happening. Some of them might be to get help, but there's a lot of meetings in my day. Other meetings are more around, you know, we need to provide direction on a project. You know, like we have a steering team and the project needs help or sometimes it's just updates, but decision making. And... Some of them are actually very technical meetings, technical discussions. Uh, I still get to participate on those as much as I used to, but I still participate on those. Sometimes I sit in the background and listen and maybe offer, you know, a thought or an opinion. Yeah, my days are a lot of time uh, nowadays in front of the computer, on the phone. The people side of it all, right? Yeah. And sometimes I do get time to just, and I actually been doing this consciously and with my admin's help to block time for me to think, you know, come up to speed with, sometimes I have to put materials together for our CTO or for our CEO and things like that. So I have been better about allocating time to do that kind of stuff that requires more thought because otherwise I'd be plagued by just meetings all day long. Right. I hear you. I hear you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. 
Well, why don't we meander into a new segment here and something called a Q&A discovery. Basically, we can continue kind of this back and forth. And the first question I have here for this is to kind of go back into your past a little bit. What led you into this profession in the first place? You know, in terms of like material sciences, for example, was that something as a child that you took an interest in or was there something else that kind of led you down this path? Now, as a child, well, I was always very curious and then I was good in any subject that had anything to do with math, science. I, at some point, I wanted to be a veterinarian because I love animals and then I wanted to be a veterinarian and then I started like pivoting towards engineering just mm-hmm. in general and I did fall in love with chemistry. Chemistry to me, I mean, it was fascinating that you could put a few things together and make something that didn't look like those things separate from each other, like behave differently. And that kind of leads you to materials, right? And and making different things. So I knew I wanted to do something with engineering. I knew I was good at some of those subjects. And and then I gravitated towards materials. And, and, And actually when I went on my undergrad, I specialized in polymers. Uh, just plastic materials and then I like the material part but I also was always curious about how you actually make it into something too not just oh I mean you know you combine this and it makes this material but then how do you actually process it in order to make it something so when I got to grad school I actually moved completely away from polymers and I went into inorganic chemistry and inorganic materials and everything I did there was from like making it to processing it into something to then characterizing it too. So to understand what properties you have. So that's how I ended up there. And then I ended up at Corning. I had never made glass. Okay. Wow. Or been like doing glass before I actually got hired in Corning. But they hired me in the glass research group because I knew chemistry. Yeah. Right. And then uh, a few months into that job, I fell in love with glass and everything like the box is endless uh, of what you can do. You add a little bit of something and it makes something completely different. Felt like playing almost. And that's how I ended up and how I ended up being a manager. That's probably a longer story (laughs) than the technical part was very straightforward. Okay. Well, it sounds as though, I mean, the, the common refrain or the thing that's linking it all together when you'd mentioned this already was just this curiosity and you know, this mm-hmm. curiosity of how things work, the curiosity in terms of, well, if I combine this with this, what is that going to make? And then the wonder, the wonder of it all, I suppose that was mm-hmm. another sort of popped mm-hmm. up in my mind as you were kind of describing all of this. And it sounds as though, I mean, that's been a lot of the, the things that have continued and propelled you in essence to, to where you are right now. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's really helpful for people probably who maybe are looking into a field like this is sometimes like you can get caught up with all these other things. Like, this is important. I need to study this. I need to do that. But ultimately, like what it really does kind of boil down to is internally, you know, how you interpret the world, how you're in, interacting with it, what are your thoughts? And oftentimes like that alone will sort of like give you the light and guide you along that pathway and sort of, you know, lead to where you, know, you could potentially end up. So no, I think that was really insightful. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not so much of a planner. Like I never plan, this is what I'm going to do because I want to get here and then I yeah. want to get there. Like I never really 
it just kind of all like mm. you know flowed and 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 one thing led to the next into the next and, yeah um, yeah i think it was all again it sounds like it was all from within and uh mm-hmm. it's, it's at least served you quite well i would say so yeah it's huh? wonderful yeah. okay well i have another question here and this is something in reference to i spoke about off the top cpt itself having 167 years of process and innovation sort of interwoven into its fabric of its culture and operations and here's kind of the question like what would you say has been part of its secret, CPT's secret, in remaining on the edge of technological development and breakthrough, essentially. It must be a cultural, you know, something there, like within the, the ecosystem. Persistence, CPT in particular, and, and I'll tell you, because I worked in my career with other businesses in Corning, you know, like our display business or our Gorilla Glass business. CPT, there's a lot of persistence, uncertainty, mm. uh, you know, it's a, it's fast paced, but the industry is slow to adopt and accept change, right? right? Wow. Everything is highly regulated. You know, you're using things to storage medicines that are going to go into someone's body. So there's got to be rigor to that. But it's also an industry where change is very difficult to achieve. So bringing technology that's different, cutting edge, that you know it solves a number of issues and problems. Mm -hmm. And everybody knows that, but you still can't. You know, it's hard to get it across the line. And for as bad as the pandemic has been, it was almost in some ways a catalyst to say, look, we have a product and it's safe. And, and, you know, we have the Valor product and we have the Velocity product, but it's a safe product. You can put it there. This is what it does. This is how it can help. Uh, This is how the quality is better. You know, how... You know, we always have put in everything that we do, the patient safety in front of us, right? With that in mind. So, but, you know, we've been there. We're persistent. The corning culture of persistence. Every business has taken time to take off. Sometimes we invest and invest and invest and invest. And we're like, okay, we're too early, right? And and, and we put it on the shelf, but we have, you know, our senior leaders are willing to continue investment, investing. And then at one, sometimes maybe a few years down the road, they're like, you know, that thing that we made, now we can use it. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's that, that persistence that investing in the future, even when sometimes it's not clear we're going to make it somewhere. The core now, it's a good, product and it solves a problem that's relevant i think that's generally what you know uh our corning culture in general has been the nature of the pharmaceutical business is a little bit different just because of how slow it can be so it takes a lot of patience but you have to be ready when the time is right yeah yeah i hear you would you say that's something that's sort of been imbued within you you've kind of taken that trade on or was that something that you would have had like personally? I'm persistent. I don't mind changing, pivoting, flexing, you know, I, in, in that is actually something that's needed because the, the environment is very dynamic. 
So I don't see failure as a bad thing necessarily. Mm-hmm. So I'm not afraid to say, oh my God, I'm wrong. Or, right, right. You know, I sometimes like someone is make a decision where it's good or bad, we'll figure it out later. Right. Yeah. So I think there's a trait that comes you know, mm. from within that probably fits right in that environment. Mm. Would you say that would be something that you've contributed in a sense to that, to that innovation and that culture of innovation is, in essence, is that? I think so. I think so. I, sometimes I, I think I, I just feel that it should be normal to yeah. behave like that. Maybe because that's how I am. But then you look around and it's like, no, people need help to feel comfortable. Maybe mm-hmm. jumping into something that's unknown or very uncertain. And, you know, I I have members of my team who are very much risk takers and some are not. Okay. So, you know, I like just bring them along with me. <laughs> right, right. I guess it comes back to like creating that culture, you know, yeah. where taking risks is a good thing and it is encouraged. Yeah. And yeah, there will be setbacks. But if the environment and the ecosystem is there to allow for those things to flourish, then then you're already two steps ahead, you know, in essence, right? You're you're on your way. Yeah. Right? And I think it's good to make sure that people understand that you got their back. And it is safe to make a mistake and screw up. You know, I I always have felt I had that in my throughout my career and in very much in my life, right? Like, what's mm-hmm. the worst that can happen if you're wrong? Yeah. Right? It's not like you're a doctor and doing surgery on a patient that if you mess up, right? It's like we just make these things. We can just go on and make it better next time. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for sharing that. I do have another mm-hmm. question here. I'm um, kind of on the heels of this previous question. You, what encourages encourages you personally about moving forward? Um, I did mention some of the uh, things that you're involved with within CPT as far as minorities, gender, mm-hmm. ethnic based. You know, what encourages you about that aspect of the culture and the company moving forward? It seems there's some celebration of that. Well, you know, I I guess I never thought too much about like diversity as diversity and the need of it and like they were actually minorities and, and, and maybe not everyone had an equal opportunity or seen the same way until I started working at Corning. Hmm. Right. I there were a lot of these diversity groups and diversity initiatives and I was like Okay, I, I was always curious about other cultures and other foods. And I love traveling and going places and meeting people that speak different languages. And then, you know, then I realized there's more to that. And, you know, a lot of us maybe struggle, you know, with women or people that are underrepresented. And I, I started looking around and there was not a lot of women in leadership, for example. And I kind of started noticing and decided to get more active and involved and try to understand what other people were going through. I never felt like anybody was holding me back because I was a woman. My biggest champions have always been males uh, at Corning uh, for the most part. So, you know, understanding like what was different and the fact that I had it good doesn't mean that everybody has the same experience. 
will say, I mean, as I move up into our organization, the role becomes longer, right? Like I, I mean, usually the only woman in the room, except my, I have two bosses. One is my general manager on the business and the other one is the vice president of product and process development for the entire company. And that one is a very diverse group. Or like okay. he has like 13, 14 people in the staff and I want to say 70% are women. Oh, wow. Which wow. is never, yeah, you don't see that anywhere no. else in no. Corning or I would challenge outside of Corning. Pretty much all the directors like are, you know, Women and women from different places, you know, it's a woman from Turkey, there's Russian, Black, like me, you know, like Latina. So, but yeah, I mean, it's just curiosity for other cultures, curiosity for understanding what people experience in the workplace. So that's what's driven me to be active and involved. Well, it sounds internally as well that that's something that the company is aware of. And yes. just by what you just spoken to right there, I mean, it sort of you know, gives some evidence there that they take that those matters seriously and, you know, want all voices to be heard as best as possible. Mm-hmm. So no, that's, that's a certainly encouraging thing to hear. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Returning back to you for a second here, question, you know, in all that you have achieved, what is it that personally and professionally drives you? I mean, do you have a certain ethos or joie de vivre, the way you live your life, which helps kind of keep you centered and productive each day? So I think learning, learning new skills, new things really interest me. Yeah. Again, Um, curiosity, it sounds like again. Curiosity. uh, I have to stay curious. If I start getting bored, it's not a good thing. So I always look for opportunities to do that. And I do that constantly. And then, you know, I, once I feel that I got to a certain point, then I look for another new thing and it could be within the same job I have. That would be one part. The other part is the people part of my job at seeing people, helping people grow and develop. It's also a big motivation to me that probably is a newer thing um, that perhaps, you know, my younger me, five, 10 years, didn't think too much about, but like the, it's like the satisfaction you get when you see your kids accomplish something or you're happy. And like, it's kind of like the same thing at work to me. So taking care of my people and taking care of having a successful business and learning, I guess it's, what gets me out of that <laughs> yeah yeah you can see that yeah okay well i think that speaks to some of the, the joyful moments perhaps within the, the job itself are there any particular moments or you know aspects of it that that are stressful and i'm sure there are you kind of mentioned that already maybe on the, the people side of things at times that can be a bit of a challenge is there anything else uh no i don't like doing budgets so the money part of that is a stretch for me. Like I really have to focus yeah. uh, and say, you got to do this because this is also important. So I pay attention to it. So yeah, those are the things that, but it, yeah, people stress, like most of my people are great, but you have one that, you know, is high maintenance and that's very stressful. Right, right. Yeah. And a company that size is bound to happen, obviously. And yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, overall, it sounds like there's a lot of other uh, 
points there that balance all of that out. I, I would guess, or I would assume at least, you know, driven by a lot of that curiosity, exploration, mm-hmm. and, and also like you just mentioned, you know, helping people along, seeing their own personal growth and development and sharing in their own accomplishments as well. It's got to be you know, quite rewarding unto itself. So it yeah. is. And if I need a break, I'm, I just need a break and I take it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. All right. Well, excellent. Again, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. I do want to shift over into a new segment here, something called a water cooler story segment. And here mm-hmm. I just ask guests to indulge listeners with a story relating to the profession. So really, you know, eager to hear what you have for us anyway. Um, so, you know, I thought about what, and, and I actually went to a negative, uh, well, the outcome ended up being positive. I started appreciating how important your boss is and your relationship to your boss and your manager. Uh, and the, I think this was a defining moment in my career where I loved the job that I was doing. I really, really enjoyed it uh, as you know, like the technical aspect of it, but my relationship with my supervisor wasn't great. And I, that was making my, that was making me miserable. So I built up the courage and I quit. I went to him and I said, I am not going to work for you anymore. And I am going to start looking for a job. And I don't know what that is. I don't know what it looks like. I hope someone else wants me (laughs) but I can't work for you and at the moment it was really hard uh, to actually come to that decision but that speaking up and uh, doing the right thing for me and ultimately for Corning because it wasn't productive anymore so what I wanted to get to is the the power of taking action when something is not right instead of putting up with it and let it consume you at the end of the day you own your own career and destiny and speaking up and moving on might be the best thing that you can do and that's what I did then and that's what landed me in the CPT business actually it was a really hard thing to do but And I think it speaks to like a common experience probably that a lot of people have over the course of their careers. You know, you're bound to run across these people, these individuals who seemingly are hell bent on making your life miserable for whatever reasons. And uh, it's a challenging situation. How do you respond? What do you do? What's the right, you know, course of action? And I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with and that insight that you shared, you know, can be inspirational to some. So ah, I think that 100% 100% qualifies as a great story within this segment. Yeah. And also too, I mean, it helps that uh, it seemed to have worked out for you uh, in the end. It worked out. I mean, I think it's, I was very clear, right, on why everybody else around. So I was able to get support, right, to then like, okay, got it. Let's just yeah. figure, let's move on from here. But it was a big relief for me. And you know, I end up being good and put me on this path. Yeah, excellent. Great. All right. Well, let's shift on over into another segment here, our last one, actually. And it's called a crystal ball segment. And as the name implies, we're looking towards the future, usually trends, predictions, so on and so forth. 
And this first question that I have here is without, of course, giving any strategic insights away, what are some materials you work with or associated with which consumers could expect to see breakthrough technologies down the line? Are you able to share anything there? Well, I like I said before earlier, uh, glass, it's, it's infinite combinations of different elements. Like you can literally take an entire periodic table and make glass. Uh, I wish I could show you, but like you take the periodic table and you have, you know, the things that are glass formers and then everything else are things that you can add to it to mollify it, whether you want, you know, a property for color, whether you want a property for, um, I don't know, expansion or, you know, toughness. So, I think we are going to see more about glass and how we use glass out there and okay. in, in technology. I mean, who would have thought that you would put glass on a, something that you carry around all day that drops that? That's like the most that, important right? thing to most, you know, most people, right? Is their baby, essentially. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, glass enables a lot of things today so i can just see how glass even plays more of an important role in the future okay so there's still a lot to be discovered uh within the glass industry oh interesting interesting Mm -hmm. all right we'll keep an eye open for that and here's my last question actually and this question admittedly might be a little bit out there but I'd still love to know what you think, just based on, you know, your years of experience with working in material sciences. And again, I guess this drive, this curiosity from within. So here's the question, you know, how far off are we, do you feel from your expertise between this deep blending of say material sciences and biological sciences? Are we that far off from useful technologies as far as, you know, bionic purposes and products? You know, sometimes you get these little articles that come out and you think, okay, we've got to be getting closer, but also at the same time, you know, do kind of dig into these articles of the technology is sort of forming, it's sort of there, but it's still years and years away. But again, coming from your background, material sciences, what would you say to something like that? I think that we might not be as far as we think we are. If you think about discovery and development cycles and innovation, it's like times, many times faster than it was in the past. Like you would say, oh, there's, I mean, I'll give an example within Corning. We used to invent a glass every, you know, five, 10 years. Mm -hmm. Now we do, what, five, six, seven different products in one year. This cycle has definitely improved there's i think that globalization and i think that the melting of cultures and and countries and you know and the access to information and in sharing you know might put us on a path where like we think is far and it sounds totally crazy but i don't think it's that far Mm -hmm. from where we are today or what it's worth (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's my opinion. I I have to agree (laughs) as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, it seems as though, I mean, a common refrain within this program as well, I speak to a lot of technologists and the the rate of that change at times is just exponential. So it's it's not that crazy to think that, you know, give it three, five, seven years or so and who the heck knows, right? Who the heck knows? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I must say, 
It's been an absolute pleasure, Sinway. I've really enjoyed this conversation and I myself have learned a lot. I'm sure listeners will have as well, you know, from uh, a lot of the things that you shared, you know, some of the stories, some of your insights, you know, all of it. So I thank you immensely for coming on the program today. Oh, thank you for having me. This was fun. Yeah. Not as awkward as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. It made me feel comfortable. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, yeah, yeah, the highest compliment. Thank you. Terrific. Well, for those interested in learning more about Sinoe and her work, you can go and check out her work at Corning Pharmaceutical Technologies. Of course, also you can check her out on LinkedIn. And this information will be included in the show notes. Also, if you like today's episode, please be sure to share. I mean, it helps. I think learning a little bit more about one another, what we're doing, the stresses, the pressures, and all of that stuff is never a bad thing. If anything, it leads to empathy. And it kind of brings us closer together, which again, is great, I think. Also, too, you can rate, review, and subscribe wherever you access your podcasts. And head on over to YouTube. We do have a channel there, Life As A, where you can check out full video episodes, much like the one we had today with Sinoe. So head on over there and check it out. If you do, please be sure to hit subscribe. And finally, don't forget to join us on the next episode of Life As A, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Until next time, stay curious about life and living.